I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, doing his stuff with, like, spiders, man. So, there have been three kind of modern cinematic versions of Spider-Man. One that was around for, like, a month, and then they made a new one, <laughs> right? Well, there or, was the Tobey Maguire ones. Right. Then they made the Amazing Spider-Man ones with well, that guy that... Andrew Garfield. Is that his name? I think See, that's his name. I forgot him, because they made a new one right after, and now this new guy is the new Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Tom Universe. Holland. Tom Holland. And is that his name? I think yeah, it's his name. Yeah, Tom Holland, but he's from England. Well, that's confusing. It's super confusing. And he speaks American. What? Wait, American's an accent. I mean, we do have different vocabulary words. Yeah, but not like all of them. Like, all of our vocabulary words aren't different. Um, yeah, they say, oh. Well, uh, have you been to Louisiana? No, I have not. Me either. I have been to Popeye's Chicken, though. Same thing? Mm, maybe I have been to Louisiana. No, I haven't been to Louisiana. If, you, if you'd remember. So, I like Spider-Man. Uh... Spoiler alerts! Or no? There, there might gonna... be. Some, I don't know. I don't, I wasn't planning on doing a full Spider-Man episode like we did with the Avengers, but yeah. I mean, we could. Well, should we save? Should we save that talk for the end, and then people can tune out who have not seen the new Spider-Man? Sure, that'll work. I got some stuff to say about sports too. We've been off for a week or so, and sorry to our listener who likes to listen while he works. Sorry, dude. Um. Yeah. You. We both had little trips. Yeah. Um. I drove out to. Nevada, and I hurt my back hiking in Zion, uh, and saw family. That was all cool. So I was there for the fourth. And you learned about different ways to travel on the road. Yeah, I went to Austin. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I stayed with my aunt's, uh, my my wife's aunt. A little shook here, with my wife's aunt, and uh, it was a lot of fun, man. We went to uh, went to San Antonio, did the Riverwalk thing. I can now remember the Alamo because I've seen it. Much smaller in person than... Like the actual building? Well, not much smaller in person, obviously. Well, Anything you... Uh, if it's in a book, it's right. going to be bigger in person. Clearly. Unless but, you have a really, but, really big sorry. book. So much smaller than I built it up to be. Right. Well, it, so the the actual complex, like the walls around it, and there's several buildings. There's the garrison, and then like there's the courtyards and stuff, and there's a church, and then there's the actual fort, right? Yeah. And uh, Did you go at night? Did no. you see the fortnight? Or... No, I didn't. During the day? No, I did not see the night fort. Oh, okay. Or whatever it is you were trying to do. Okay. Trying to appeal to our one listener who plays Fortnite. Honest question. You few people that do listen to our podcast, if you know what Fortnite is, email us and tell us what Fortnite is. I'm serious. And if you don't, email us and tell us what you think Fortnite is. Ooh, good game. Yeah. I think we should start doing a segment each week on like a show we don't watch. And just read the title of the episode and, like, try and predict and what down. happened. That I, week. Yeah, that sounds great. It sounds like what all the basketball analysts do during the Final Four <laughs> or during the during March Madness. Just make it up as they go. Or the no. draft, right? Yeah, the draft. That guy looks like this guy, so he'll probably be good. That guy looks like <laughs> this guy who wasn't as good. He's going to need to work. No. I, and if you're white, you have a high basketball IQ. Yes, or a high motor. Jim mm, Rat. Yeah, hustler. Yeah, spot-up shooter. Sneaky quick. Yeah, sneaky quick. That's one of my, yeah, yeah, sneaky athleticism. <laughs> They'll surprise you by putting the ball on the floor. <laughs> Whoa, he dribbled. Whoa! Did you see the white guy dribble the Look ball? Look at him go. Good for him. Wow. <laughs> so we do have some basketball stuff to talk about. 
if you want to email us and tell us what you think Fortnite is, the, the email address is subjectively correct at gmail.com. You're standing. What's going on? I'm just changing my chair. Why are you changing your chair? Because this one creaks. Oh, I think it adds to the ambiance. That's French for ambience, which is English for environment. My mom took an ambience one time, and she was out for like two days. For real? It's an ambient. Right. Yes. I, was, I was thinking ambulance, and I was like nervous. Oh, I like thought your mom no. was in trouble or hurt or something. No, as far as I know, she's never taken an ambience. Hmm. That's confusing. Or an ambulance. Have you ever been in an ambulance? Yes, I have. Oh, when you had your crazy car wreck, right? That's right. Wow. Did you wake up in the ambulance? Or did you wake up in the hospital? Like, when did you wake up? Well, I fell asleep in the ambulance and then woke up in the hospital. But so, but I remember being taken into the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, all right, story time. So, um, there's a golf course near Mesquite, Nevada that's in Arizona. And Mesquite's a border town. And so, I was uh, taking a friend home after a basketball game. And uh, to get to this friend's house, you have to drive through the golf course to get to uh, this little town in Arizona. And, uh, and it's not well lit. And uh, I was probably driving a little too fast anyways. And I kind of missed a turn. And when I missed the turn, I was on like loose gravel. And there was, it, was, uh, it was downhill. And I tried to correct to get back onto the road. And as I did that, my two right tires, I think, hit a rock. But they both popped. And so the vehicle was already leaning down, and then it leaned further down, and then we started rolling. And the car rolled end over end, or sideways rolling, uh, for, I think it was, it was either 80 or 180 feet. It was a long ways. And the only reason we stopped is because there was this, like, four foot by four foot metal box that was protecting, a uh, concrete box that was protecting some, like, exposed pipes. And we hit that and stopped, otherwise we would have gone off a cliff. I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. See, you've told this story a couple of times on our podcast, and every I? time I learn something new, how do you not remember that? How do you remember these minute details when you were in severe trauma? Mm. How do you remember the tiniest details about a trip you took to math camp when you were seven or some crap, but uh, you can't remember things you've talked about on this show hmm. and months so, ago? Yeah, golf clubs flying all over the place that were in, in the trunk of my car. Um, I remember the very first, when, when the car kind of went airborne, I remember the very first impact, the window shattered. You remember all of this? Yeah. So I hit my head, um, and the doors wouldn't open because it, they had been crunched. Sure. From yeah, and uh, and so we had we climbed out of the passenger front passenger window, and um, you were both conscious. Yes. Um, it was, yeah. I mean, it was pretty much a miracle that we were both okay. Uh, my friend uh, got a cut uh, climbing out the window. And I, um, I didn't know at the time, but I had had like a minor, well, I had a concussion and possible like skull fracture. Like they didn't, yeah. Anyways, there's nothing you can really do about it. <laughs> like they wouldn't like staple it together or anything. Staple your bone together? Yeah. But anyways, I, I so I was, uh, <laughs> so I remember, uh, so like there's bits and pieces where it's like kind of, I just don't have a memory of, right? But I, I remember like. Saying, oh my, like, well, we need to, like, get out of here because I thought the car might explode or something because that's course. what it does in the movies. Yeah, yeah, of course. Car crashes, then it explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some. And Dwayne Johnson comes and saves you. And then, like, luckily the lights were still on. It was nighttime. The lights still worked. 
like the, the the headlights so they were shining and so someone drove by oh it was mr grayjack he was like the the pe teacher yeah uh health teacher yeah <laughs> right uh he drove by because he lived out there as well uh sometime after you know i assume he was at the basketball game as well and uh but how long do you think you were just sitting there I, I, it was probably like 10 15 minutes okay um but how would you know you have a concussion i think you made would, all yeah. of this up so you, you may be just feeling in blanks right <laughs> like um well and, and i've talked to uh, people other people who were there and, and mr gray about your it as well. mind is a crazy thing that and i'm so ready and willing to explore here keep going so uh mr gray pulls up he you know obviously sees the total car and asks if we're okay. He comes over and he um, he put he looks at me and he notices I'm bleeding from my head, from like the back of my head. Um, and so he grabs a baby diaper yes! from his car. He puts the baby diaper Wait, on this my is head. Very important. Yeah. What brand? <laughs> I want to say it was Love's, but I don't know. <laughs> Just because it would make the story better. <laughs> I mean, he was pampering me, so I I, I don't know. You Did can... he give you a hug? Possibly. Huggies. Yeah. I just hope it wasn't like the Kirkland brand or something. Why? Right? Like some off brand like Yeah, I mean I feel like I'm better than that. You're a brand name diaper kind of I'm better than the great value <laughs> diaper brand. Like if you had a baby mm-hmm. and someone brought great value diapers to the baby shower, mm. do you kick them out of your house? Because you're not a great value type of person. Um, no, I don't kick people out of my house for being inconsiderate. <laughs> just kidding. No, of course not, David. Come on now. Uh, so, diaper on the head. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> uh, diaper on the head. Um, and he calls... Uh, he, he, this this is part where I don't have much recollection. But at some point after that... You're not sure what he called? Well, I, he called the ambulance, I'm okay. sure. But, but I don't know if, like, I don't know if he called 911 or called someone he knew. Like, it's a small town. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> hey, Jim. Yeah, I got Are a you situation bleeding from here. your finger. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he called the ambulance. Are you bleeding from your finger? No, oh no, oh that's a legit question. I thought maybe you were like role playing there. No, no, no. So this is from I uh, I graffitied a wall, in uh, in uh, where was it? Round, not Round Rock. Uh, New Braunfels, Texas. Yeah, yeah. New Braunfels. Uh, my wife's cousin lives there. And they thought it was really cool in downtown Austin. They had a graffiti section of town where they, anyone could come and just graffiti the walls there. And it wasn't illegal. It no, was, it was like it was like it was encouraged. Yes, it was designated for that. And it was the thought is you have a graffiti wall in downtown where you can show off your work. Is it and like stuff. the movie The Purge where everyone had like you get your you do your illegal thing for one day and then you weren't you won't you'll you'll be a nice law abiding citizen the rest of the year. Is that the theory behind it? Yes, it's exactly like okay. that. It's exactly like the purge, but with graffiti. Okay. And they thought it was a really cool concept, so they did that in their backyard, where they put up some plywood up along their fence, and you could graffiti it, right? And so I, I spray-painted some graffiti, and, and that is a little bit of the red graffiti that I used mm-hmm. on my knuckle there. And it does look like it's bleeding, especially when my knuckle, my, my finger yeah. is extended. So, yeah. I was just I just was worried you might get blood on my desk, but that's fine. I'm okay. sure you had no concern <laughs> for me and my health and safety, but just about your desk. Yeah. Um... So I have a diaper on my head. The ambulance comes. Oh, yeah, diaper head. And um, I remember one of the paramedics uh, telling me I needed to take off my coat. It was like, it was January or February, so it was cold out. Uh, uh, chilly, so I was wearing a A chilly coat. 65 degrees <laughs> yeah. in Mesquite, Nevada. <laughs> uh, but it was like kind of a nicer coat that my cousin had given me. And, I sh- and the paramedic was like, 
you need to take it off or you need to let us take it off or we'll have to cut it off. And I was like, oh no, don't cut my, like, don't cut my jacket was what I was thinking. So I, you know, moved. Because by that point I was starting to get like woozy and like starting to stiffen up, you know. Blood loss, right? Oh, and rigor mortis. Well. <laughs> right? Rigor vivus. <laughs> I wasn't mortis yet. <laughs> um, and so, so they take off my coat and then they put me in the, in the ambulance and, um. And I remember some of the drive. I do remember them asking me questions. Oh, this is great. So See, this is crazy. <laughs> like these little details keep popping up in your memory. It's an amazing thing. So I'm in the ambulance. And so this this is, it's January. It's definitely January. It's early January. It, January 2000 and 2000. January 2000? 2001. Okay. So we just had... The presidential election, Bush v. Gore, okay, in 2000, November 2000, yeah. okay? Okay, so it's January, right? Do you remember what happened in the Bush-Gore election? Hanging Chad, right? Oh, there, yeah, yeah, Hanging Chad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was a debate over who actually won uh -huh. the presidency, right? And we were still in that time frame of we didn't quite know 100%. Okay, and so... I'm waiting for the tie-in. <laughs> okay, so they're asking me a bunch of questions, right? They ask me my name, they ask me how old I am. They're, you know, trying to make sure I'm not... have severe brain damage or something, right? Right. And um, and I guess I answered some things in Spanish. Because I, you know, I've taken Spanish classes at the of time. Of course. And, um, but then they asked me who the president was. And I said, we don't know. Hanging Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they determined from that that I was... I had my faculties enough, right? <laughs> that I, I guess I knew what was still going on. Um, we don't know yet. <laughs> hanging Chad. That's such a great response to that question. Uh, and uh, then and then I, I black out from there, and the next memory is, is waking up in the hospital with my brother and my dad in the hospital room. Hmm. So it must have been a couple hours later. Um, and the scariest part is when you wake up, and like I could not feel or move my legs. and And I thought... You know, the first thought is, oh my gosh, I'm paralyzed. What happened? But it just took a few moments for for the uh, feeling to come back. And, and you know, because when you get a concussion, like, I think part of your body just like shuts down for a little bit, right? I don't know. Yeah. Colt can answer that better than I can yeah. explain explain what's going on in the body. But Email the show, Colt. Email what happens when your brain has a concussion. I mean, it'd be great to cover for like football and stuff. Yeah. So, you know the 30 for 30s? Yep. Your 30 for 30 promo would start something like this. What if I told you there was a man who could remember the color of the socks he was wearing during his fourth birthday, but couldn't remember his podcast host's I do birthday. remember. I remember the shirt I wore to my fifth birthday. Get out I of town. I loved it. That was bull crap. I, I, I remember I it that perfectly what was clear. It? What was it? It was a little shirt with airplanes on it. A little blue shirt with airplanes on it. Okay. When's my birthday? <sighs> April 15th. No. <laughs> April. That's tax day. <laughs> Is it April? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 10th. No. How close am I? Well, pretty close. Okay. In fact, I'm really close. Uh, 12th? No, wrong way. 17th. I said wrong way and you <laughs> went further the wrong way. Oh, uh, 7th. Very close. Eighth. Yes. April. That's what I said. No, you didn't. You never once. Roll back the tape. Okay, that's not going to go well for you. <laughs> April. 8th. So. Okay. 
How do you remember all that crap after uh-huh. you had serious head trauma, mm-hmm. but you can't remember my birthday? That's crazy. Not only that, it's my dad's birthday too, which makes it super. I know. Memorable. I knew your dad's birthday was April eighth. So you forgot my. Okay, that's only been happening since I was born. <laughs> well, Paul, happy birthday at the office. Well, are you at the office with my dad? Why would I overhear that if I'm not at the office? Uh, David, the answer to your question. I forgot what I asked. Is in the question itself. Yeah, that's deflection. So, since we've been gone, Kelly Clarkson Since we've song, been gone. Since we've been gone, uh, the United States women national team won. And won the World Cup. Yeah. The so, Cup of the World. And they haven't stopped drinking. What? Oh, from the cup? No, from the beers. Okay. And the champagne. Apparently, when you win stuff, you get lots of free alcohol. Apparently. If there's nothing else that sports teaches us, it's that when you win, they put tarps out in your locker room and spray you with alcohol. Yeah. That's the prize. And okay, whatever. But and you have to wear goggles so your eyes don't burn. Yeah, from, from the alcohol. But then there's some OGs who like say, no, I want to feel it burn because I don't know when I'll feel this again. Who's that OG? Who said that? Clayton Kershaw says that. Clayton Kershaw said that? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's never had a real champagne bath, so... They, but in baseball, you celebrate, like, each series, because, yeah, like... that's so... Yeah. You know, baseball. You gotta celebrate something. I think baseball's a sport that you have to keep the most interesting. Anyway, United States Women National Team, they actually performed a lot better in their last game against uh, the Netherlands. They won 2-0, but they were dominating the that Nether game. The Netherlands, right? As in they, they didn't win? Yeah, like, nether. Like, never. Sure, right to the quicksand. Just <laughs> right to the quicksand again. Uh, but so, they did well. interesting. Sometimes we call the Netherlands Holland. Okay. Okay. And the people are Dutch. Sure. So, like, in, in my most Jerry Seinfeld way, what's the deal with that? No, but here's the deal. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you just set all of that up so you could just tell us some random fact that you learned? Oh, uh, so... There are two Holland like provinces within the Netherlands. Okay, did you it's just in the kingdom of the Netherlands? Did you just say there are two Holland like provinces? Two two provinces that have Holland in the name. There's like North Holland, South Holland, something like that. Cat, sorry, Mamba's in here causing a ruckus. Yeah, yeah, he has a he has a cat named Mamba and a cat named Koozie. I took care of them for a while. They poop and pee a lot. Oh, so when did I... you throw her out? Yeah. She was finally connecting with me. I came over here for like a week and a half and I fed them and I took care of their, their poop and their pee, which is one of the most intimate things you can do for a thing, right? And it would run away from me every time I came... It hit under the couch one time. Mm. Now it's like, I just gave you food. Yeah. Let me pet you at least. Like, let me like have some satisfaction out of this relationship. And it was just like, meow. And I was like, whatever. So anyway. You're basically performing the functions of a prison guard. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, I came home from work yesterday and could not find Mamba anywhere, but I heard her meowing. Turns out she was in my dresser, like in a closed drawer in my dresser. So she MacGyvered her way inside there. And shut the door. <laughs> and she, well, I, I think because the bottom drawer was slightly open, I think she wiggled her way in there and then through the back, like climbed into the middle drawer, which was shut and then couldn't figure out how to get out. I have no idea how long she was in there. Did she leave any presents in there? I no, it was dry. Amazing. Yeah, warm, but dry. The kitty litter was not dry. In fact, Koozie, your other cat, is really mean. And let me tell you why. What? So I just finished like sweeping up the litter and then scooping the litter and doing all that stuff. 
Okay, I walk, I, I, I'm in there filling up her food, and she walks in, looks at me, and pees in the litter I just, I just cleaned up. I mean, what a big, like, in-your-face no, move that, that was. that's a thank you. No, that's an in-your-face. Oh, thank you. No, it's not an ah, oh, thank you. It was like, oh, hey, you just cleaned this you. up, let me pee on it. So next time you finish doing your dishes, I'm just going to, like, mount the sink and pee on, on your dishes. I don't think that's how analogies work. I think that's a pretty, <laughs> that's, that's like... A one-for-one one comparison. That's exactly the same thing that Kuzi did to me. Okay. Exactly the same thing. Right. So the women's national team is having a good time. They won an SB. They're on Good Morning America. What was their SB Fallon? Best uh, team? Yeah, best team or something like that. Which is like, that's a weird category. Best team. Yeah, I mean, because every sport does that. It's called the championship. Yeah. Right? So clearly they were the best team in, in soccer, right? But, uh, oh, speaking of not good teams in soccer, though, our men's team lost to Mexico. Because Josie Altidore can't kick a ball into a practice goal. Does he still play? Yeah, yeah. He was. He had a chance to uh, put uh, the U.S. up uh, one nothing, and yeah, did not go. We well. need to clone that one twenty-year-old guy, Pulisic. Pusilic. What's his name? Okay, because you messed it up. Now I'm blanking on how to actually say it. I think it's Pulisic, right? I think it's yeah, but I don't think but it's Pulisic. Pulisic. Pulis- Gosh dang it! Now I have to look it up. But that guy, who actually like plays in Europe. For most of the year, yeah, he's playing in. Uh, he's playing in for Chelsea? a Premier League. Yeah, he's playing for a Premier League team now. He's played in in uh, Germany before. Pulisic. Pulisic. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Okay. Yeah, but he's really good. So we got one good player. So. And of course, there are other good players, but it's just they they struggle to win. But anything. compared to other nations, we, our best athletes are not playing soccer. Yeah, and I guess all their best best athletes are or cricket. I don't understand cricket. Do you know cricket? Jiminy, no. Hmm. Now, um, I do know that you you bounce a ball and you try and hit a wicket, but then the other guy tries to hit it away from the wicket, and then there's outfielders, and I'm not sure what their role is, but they try and keep the ball within the field to play some. But then I don't, I don't think there's base running. No. <sighs> that's too. That's way too unrefined. Might run around and get dirty. Yeah, can't do that. But maybe you were the one telling me that the offense is actually the defense. Like our our baseball defense is their cricket offense. Yes, yes. So the so, pitcher is trying to score points. Yes. So the pitcher is trying to knock down the wickets, and the batters are protecting the wickets, right? Mm. And I'm not exactly sure how that all works out. I, I have no idea. Can I bats last like days? Sometimes yes. So there have been there have been cricket matches that go on for days and days and days. It's kind of like tennis, where mm. tennis doesn't end until there's a winner, right? Well, obviously, but it doesn't uh-huh. win until someone gets the, the requisite amount of points. And if there's a yeah. tie break, it can go on indefinitely. For baseball, right? you can have extra innings indefinitely. Exactly. So cricket's the same way, except they really like their cricket, so <laughs> they'll just play it forever. So I just realized something. Hmm. Uh, Quidditch is a lot like cricket. Okay. I don't have anything else to, to contribute to that topic. Yeah. But, so mean, a fake wizard sport is like a real sport. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, cool. Excellent observation. Thanks. I think this podcast is off to a really good start. And I think we're, so too. Uh, oh, 23 minutes in. Has it been that long already? Wow. Remember when we started recording, right before we started recording, we said, let's let's do a quick one? Remember yeah, that? I, well, I think I have some built up, like, microphone words that I need to get Have you not had very stimulating conversations lately? I mean, it's been fine. Okay. Nothing to report in that category. Oh, okay. It's been fine. But we, uh, 
I don't know what else to talk about. Oh, the NBA is crazy. So Russell Westbrook got traded to... Russell Westbrook. Well, that's hard to... We stuck at that. Well, Russell Westbrook. What a terrible name. I feel... Okay, James Earl Jones is in the new Lion King movie, right? Yeah. He does the voice of Mufasa. Because he it, just gets to do whatever voice he did in the past. You have to do it again. He has to do it again because no one else can do James Earl Jones. Like yes. James Earl Jones. Exactly. So this will all tie in somehow. Did you know that he had a terrible stutter growing up? James Earl Jones. Okay. He had a terrible stutter. And he became one of the most iconic voice actors of all time. Yeah. Right? Voicing Mufasa, um, Darth Vader. I don't know of any others. But that's enough right there to make you iconic. Feel the right? dreams. Well, he, he was he, actually a person yeah, he there. he was there. Yeah. His voice was great. Wasn't it? He was blind. So, uh... Other great voices. Sean Connery. Sure. Uh, he had a terrible stutter growing up. And so a teacher... Jack Nicholson. ...introduced him to Shakespeare. Great voice. And so through reading Shakespeare out loud with his teacher, he was able to overcome his stutter. That interest in Shakespeare led him to a career in the theater, which led him to become Christopher Darth Vader. Walken. Right? So Shakespeare and teachers are really important. Okay. I, I, I agree. Nice. That. Cool. We agreed That's... on something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting yeah i was just trying to think of people with distinct voices maybe not that interesting i don't know probably wasn't that interesting what um, were we talking about before yeah so russell westbrook he has a new home he got traded to the rockets and cp3 went to well he's thunder. with the thunder along with several first round draft picks a lot that's you know the thunder would not have done this unless they were getting something in return and cp3 is not something right right well yeah well that I think they traded the contracts, basically. They were swapping contracts because they have similar contracts, even though Russell Westbrook is much younger. Yeah. Right? And, and, and Westbrook, at this point, is the much better player, uh, or at least will be for the next three years. Yeah. And so, so to incentivize the Thunder, the Rockets sent over draft picks. And so the Thunder now have every draft pick in the NBA for the next four years. Yep. Except for the ones the Pelicans have from the Lakers. Yep. So I think Adam Silver should just get up and say, with the first to 30th picks in the first round of the 2025 NBA draft, the Clippers select and just name them all off because they're going to have like all the picks. Did I say Clippers? Yeah. Thunder. But the Thunder do have a bunch of Clipper picks because... That's why I was thinking that. Because the Clippers traded Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think that's his name, yeah. and SGA, that's what they call him. And uh, I think four, four or five first round draft picks to the Thunder for Paul George and to this- team up with... Kawhi Leonard. And this is where it gets crazy. We have so much information nowadays. There's an NBA insider for every team, and there are even analysts and, and investigators that follow specific players. And then there's fake insiders as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're looking at you, Bouchard. And then nobody knew anything that was going on with Kawhi. And you know what he did by himself, by just not saying anything for a long time? Is he crushed Toronto and the Lakers. Counterpoint. Actually worked out really well for the Lakers. But, go ahead. Not not getting Kawhi Leonard worked out for the Lakers. No, no. I'm saying in, in an alternative universe where they never went after Kawhi Leonard. Okay, but let's talk about this universe where they did. No, no, no. All I'm saying is that it didn't crush, excuse me, crush the Lakers because, like, the opportunity cost of going for him didn't, it, it didn't cost them really good free agents that they could have gone after otherwise because they still gotcha. ended up with really good free agents. In fact, if you look at the ones that they missed out on, they w- really wouldn't have been able to sign them anyways just because of the high dollar amounts that were flying around. Right. 
Now, what's really interesting to me is that if Kawhi Leonard would have stayed in San Antonio, he would have been able to sign a Supermax deal of $220 million, and yeah. instead he has a $141 million contract with L.A., and then uh, the Clippers. And then you add into the fact that Texas has much lower taxes yeah. than California does, and he gave up a ton of money, a ton of money, to go and play where he wanted to play, which makes me think that for some players, especially Kawhi Leonard, it really isn't about the money. He just wanted to go where he wanted to be, which was obviously Southern California, right? And and pretty much the Clippers, because if he wanted, if all he cared about was winning and being in Southern California, he'd be on the Lakers. Because Not in his mind. In his mind, he's thinking, I can take, with Paul George, I can take the Clippers to the championship and I can win. I just did it in Toronto. I can do it with the Clippers. Okay, but that's, I mean... If you take this Clippers team versus a team that has LeBron, AD, and Kawhi, I, I, I don't see how this Clippers team would beat that team. Of course not. Right. So, so I'm saying if, if the goal is to win and do it in Southern California, if those are the two goals, then the choice was obvious. Yeah. But, but for some reason, he didn't want to go to the Lakers. Fine. That's. I mean, for some reason. I mean, I think if you're Kawhi Leonard... No one knows what he's thinking, and I hate playing guesses, but I think the fact that he went to the Clippers makes me think one of two things. Either one, he says, I don't want to be a first, second, or third fiddle on a team of three superstars and definitely one NBA legend. I don't want to be in that group. I want to be the guy because mm-hmm. I've been the guy twice, and I've won championships for two teams as the guy. So he wants to be well, the guy. He was and not the guy in San Antonio. He was the Andre Iguodala of that team. He won the finals MVP. So did Andre Iguodala. Oh, but he did not deserve no, that MVP. No, no, but, but Andre Iguodala did not deserve that MVP. No, but if you go back and look at that season, Tony Parker, manager only, and even Tim Duncan were better players. I mean, Kawhi was in like his third year. Sure. And, and and he won it because he did everything on the court, right? But he wasn't like the go-to guy at all. Like sure. he was this year. Right. So I'm saying he, so he did it. He wasn't the guy in San Antonio. Either way, either he, well... He was being bred to be the guy, and he became the guy till he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Who knows what would have happened if Zaza Pachulia, who I hate, <laughs> didn't undercut him and ruin that series for the Spurs. He goes off, and with a limited skill set because of coming back from injury, he was able to take a team uh, that had never been past the Cavs with LeBron James, right, the Raptors, and they wins, wins a title there for a whole new country, right? And he's thinking to himself, why I have all the validation I need. I don't need to win any more championships with other people. I basically got a free pass, right? No matter what I do from here on, my legacy is sure. So I'm going to go and play where I want to play. And I think that meant not playing for the Lakers because he doesn't like or trust the Lakers organization. Yeah, that that could be the case. I mean, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't, want to, he didn't want to play for those coaches. Maybe he didn't want to be around uh, the Lakers front office because they've had all sorts of issues and Magic Johnson just ghosting them. And Magic Johnson is an issue. I will say that. Like, it's, it's, it, well, the fact that the fact that he like as soon as they had a meeting or even in advance of them having a meeting, Magic Johnson was blabbing about it all over Twitter. Like, he's not even officially part of the Lakers anymore. Right, and isn't that against NBA regulations for him to be in a meeting with that that kind of stuff? Or? No, he can be. He can have a private meeting with Kawhi Leonard. He just can't be a uh, in a meeting with Lakers officials mm. right anyone actually from the team yeah and i don't think uh the country of canada or the city of toronto did themselves any favors by following Kawhi leonard around like he had just yeah. ran off in a white bronco but Kawhi, just remember you went to a team that promised blake griffin that his 
jersey would be in the rafters and that he would be um, the focal point of their team for the rest of his career, signed him to a max contract and traded him six months later when he was no longer useful for the team. To quote Amin Al-Hassan, who's probably quoting somebody else, loyalty is just a word in the dictionary. <laughs> ask, uh, yeah. ask the Celtics. And, and the Clippers look formidable, but don't forget, their two stars are incredibly injury prone. Um, I mean, Paul George just had two surgeries this offseason. He'll probably miss the beginning of the season. He had a severe leg injury. Kawhi missed a season and then only played, I think, 60, 65 games last season. LeBron had his first... I wouldn't even call it major. His first injury that made him miss some time last season. And the only reason they didn't bring him back is because they went into tank mode at the end. Yeah. And he, he could have played more games. And this is the first time LeBron hasn't played extra games in the playoffs in what is it like 11 15 years something crazy like that so you know he's going to come back super fresh right he's going to be like he's going to look two or three years younger especially at the beginning of the season so the lakers are going to be super good but something i'm interested about or excited about is we've now entered the era of the um nba jam duos two super yeah two superstars per team the era of the superstar duos which i think is great because it spreads the love a little bit more Mm -hmm. instead of four teams having three guys each you know it's like six teams having two guys each it's gonna be good and don't check my math on that (laughs) so the rockets now have harden and westbrook that's gonna be weird i mean they played together in the past and you know that team went to the finals obviously they had kevin durant as well yeah and, and young serge Ibaka and prime nick collison dabo cephalosha that's that okay. That is one of the best names in sports ever. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, um, Cephalosha. Lakers have LeBron and AD. Cephalosha. They also picked up Demarcus Cousins, who dropped like a million pounds. Cephalosha. Um, Avery Bat Bradley. We'll see what. I don't know. He's been injury prone. If he can be healthy, I think he's going to pick him. The Clippers obviously have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Their defense is going to be so good. The uh, Sixers. I mean, they're, it's kind of they've got like two kind of older stars and two younger stars. Well, right? they lost Jimmy buckets. They to, lost Jimmy Butler to Miami. Yep. And they they re-signed Tobias Harris to a max contract, which questionable if that's good value. And but I think you do it because you have to. And then they signed Al Horford to like a four-year, hundred-ish million-dollar deal. Horf. And so those are two good players, but their two stars really are Embiid and Simmons, right? I mean, the the the, the team success. Will hinge 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 on those two. Simmons is just tall Rondo. Yeah, he needs to develop a shot. I mean, he can't make a free throw. Jared Dudley held him to zero percent three point shooting in the playoffs. Granted, he did not take a three pointer. Well, still, it's it's hard to play that position now without shooting the ball well. And at least make the You can't be the primary ball handler and not be somewhat of a threat. Yes. To shoot from outside. I mean, teams will just put someone to stand at the free throw line when they're guarding him. And And now that Lonzo is not a Laker, I'll say the same thing about him. He needs to develop a shot. I knew it, man. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So he's gone from the Lakers, and now you agree with my take that his shot is bad and it won't translate to the NBA? No. I think he's an average to slightly below average NBA shooter. Which bears out if you look at his shooting percentages. Great. Awesome. So but if he wants to be elite, he needs to develop a shot. A great. better shot. Cool. Thanks. He, so, shot, he shot from three-point better than... Mm, how many Lakers? 
a number of Lakers. That's shot better than than Kuzma. I could shoot better than most of the Lakers. Mm. They were a bad shooting team last year. They were bad. They were a bad shooting team last year. Yeah, but he wasn't the worst. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What else? Who are the other duos that we have? Well, they're hoping to pair. uh, Miami wants Jimmy Butler and possibly... Uh, they wanted Russell Westbrook at first. They were looking for maybe Bradley Bill from Washington, but Washington's in a world of trouble because John Wall has a monster of a contract and he's basically broken now. And and you know what we've been talking about? We've been talking a lot about broken athletes. A piece just came out to, uh, from ESPN. Uh, Baxter Holmes wrote a piece about uh, basketball players and the young players in the NBA are suffering injuries that much older veterans used to be suffering from. And what he yeah so they're sustaining these injuries earlier in their career yeah and so what he's saying is he he looked into AAU and youth basketball and other youth sports and due to the highly specialized um, direction that youth sports is going to you have to choose a sport at a very young age and stick with it and travel team and play all year round and all that stuff from a very young age if you want to keep up with other kids that are your age and what that's doing is it's causing a lot of wear and tear and putting a lot of miles on young bodies so that by the time they get to the nba they've played more basketball than most nba veterans do by the end of their careers because mm. they've played from a very young age and they've played all year round and, and the issue isn't that they are always active right it's that they're they're active in the same way right so you're always shooting the same way you're jumping the same way you're landing the same way you're not doing other sports where you would mix it up a little bit right right and so those ankles those knees they're they're having that same type of impact over and over and over and at some point things will break right right? it's like kobe and kevin durant that they both had achilles ruptures right Mm -hmm. and if you keep planting and if you keep doing those same things over and over again on a basketball court, eventually the, the Achilles is probably going to give out unless you're a super crazy freak athlete. Some people do that. My experience with sports, and this, this I think is informative, I would uh, play football and I would be in great shape, right? Great football shape. And then we'd have basketball tryouts and my legs would be burning and I'd be tired. I'd be breathing heavy, even though I'd been running miles and miles and I was in super great shape. It was a different kind of muscle. You were engaging, a, yeah. It was a different type of endurance. It was a different type of... Basketball mm-hmm. is like an explode and, and rest, explode and rest, explode and rest. Basketball is like a continuous with explosion. Continuous, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Different muscles, different movements that are required. And then you go and play baseball and you don't feel anything at all. No, just kidding. <laughs> Shout out to Coach Boyd Whitwer who made us run up hills in our baseball cleats. We would play a baseball game. Have you seen the movie Miracle? Yeah, the, the hockey, hockey movie? Yeah. Okay. So we, we watched it over the 4th of July, and I wanted to punch anything wearing red in the face after that. Oh, America! So much America! I wanted to go back in time and then just Cold War everything. Just punch every Soviet in my... America! Anyway, uh, watch that. And at the end of one of their games, the coach isn't happy with their effort. They're, mm-hmm. like, looking at the stands, like, checking out girls in the stands and talking about going out after the game and stuff like that. So he makes them line up and run, basically, ladders for hours after mm-hmm. the game. It, it seems like hours pass, right? Well, we would finish a uh, game, and Coach Whitworth would keep track of base running mistakes, um, missing signs, uh, defensive miscues, and errors, and yeah. all, the, all those types of things. And, I mean, if, if you just, like, drop a ball because you're work, running hard and you just drop it, he, you know, yeah. that's just an error. No, that, not, like, extra penalties for you. If you strike out, he's not going to... But anyway, he kept track of all of those things. And every single one of those that we had, he would make us run a sprint of 90 feet or, or a base path, right? And if he saw you lollygag, if anyone was going slow, he would make you do it again, right? 
So that was crazy. But anyway, all this to say, I was spending every season playing a sport. But I never suffered any major Achilles tendon type injury and stuff like that. Because like you said, I'm changing up the different things that were going on, right? Like in baseball, I was never jumping 40 feet in the air because I'm a super athlete. But I was never jumping high in the air and then landing on, on hardwood over and over again. I was running on grass and I was sliding. And it was a different part of my body that was suffering impacts and injuries and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So these kids are playing basketball for months and months and months and months out of the year. They're traveling all over the, the country to play basketball. And then they're training their same muscles for basketball. So they're lifting weights probably at a much younger age than is healthy. And they keep working out these bodies because they have to keep up with everyone else because everyone else is going to get paid in the NBA. Yeah. And then their bodies break down. Well, And, and the offseason is no longer an offseason, right? So, I mean, like, kids growing up in the 70s, 80s, probably most of the 90s, like, there was no AAU. At least I don't think there. I don't know when it started. But, like, it was basketball was a seasonal sport, right? And in the NBA now... The offseason isn't the offseason because if you're good enough, you're going to go play, do some exhibition games in China, right? You're working out every day and posting it on Instagram so people know that you're actually, like, dedicated to the sport. And so, you know, you may take a vacation here or there, but you're still putting in a lot of work in the offseason. And, you know, I think a lot of players um, over the past decade or so have really made it a point to try and add something to their game every offseason, right? And that's good. You need to to stay competitive. But by doing that, it's just putting more wear and tear on the body. And, yeah, this is a, a, a big deal. And I don't know that it gets any better. I mean, medicine improves, right? And, and, and maybe, you know, they track players now. They track yeah. how much you're running in a game. And some players have a, a, a mileage limit right they have minutes restrictions for some players they have mileage restrictions for some players and uh just like in baseball they'll have an innings restriction for someone coming back from a tommy john surgery um so we'll see how i i mean there's nothing worse than watching a athlete especially a superstar athlete go down with an injury that will keep them out of the game for up to a year and will potentially alter the trajectory of their career from being one of the best to just being you know maybe good or or even average and uh so that's the other the other duo we didn't say was kevin durant and and and, uh kyrie irving right going to the nets so yeah also crazy so that that video of kyrie irving and kevin durant talking animatedly in the uh, locker room uh, or the in the tunnel during the all-star game makes a lot of sense now uh if i told you when you were a kid you could have Kevin Durant's career, but you'll also have to suffer a crazy injury like an Achilles rupture or something like that. Do you take it? Knowing what the career would be like? Yes. And all the money and all the fame. Sure. Right. And all of these young kids. I mean, can- I guess if that was if the option was to not have that. Or, no, no. Like, or the, the option is career. you absolutely, uh, you're going to work hard and you're going to have Kevin Durant's basketball career, but yeah. you're also going to suffer that terrible injury. Yeah. You'd still do it, right? Yeah. And all these young kids are thinking the same thing. If I take if I take breaks and if I keep my body healthy, these other kids are going to get noticed. I'm not going to get noticed. I'm not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Who cares if I have to rupture an Achilles or something like that if I get to my second contract in the NBA and I'm a millionaire? Yeah. Just like that. Well, even I mean, if you're good enough, your first contract... You're getting paid seven, eight million dollars a year. Right. So I would, I would slash my own Achilles right now for a couple million dollars, <laughs> especially if someone else was going to cover all the medical costs and help me recover. Mm. Yeah, I would take a butcher knife to my Achilles right now if that was the case. Wow, so graphic. I didn't mean to be graphic, but I mean, what else am I going to take to my to my Achilles? A butter knife? No. Swiss Army knife? That'd be a little difficult. Butcher knife. 
don't know why you have to knife it at all. Just for the, for the bit, for the, for the idea, for the like. I'm just saying, like a couple million dollars. Now, I'm not saying that I don't feel bad for these athletes. I do, and I feel bad for these kids who are put under so much stress at such a young age to be excellent. If you are nothing short of excellent, all this work that we're doing for you makes you a failure. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine a lot of these kids struggle with that. It makes them ultra competitive, and it makes them difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of them, they can't adjust to that, and that might be why mental health is such a problem with a lot of athletes these days, right? And the ones I re- feel really sorry for are the ones that put in all this work and in high school or college, they get that career-altering injury. And they don't ever get to the point where they can capitalize on all of that hard work uh, financially. And, you know, that's <laughs> for a lot of these these really great athletes in high school and college, um, that is career path a right and there may not be a plan b and uh and so you feel real really bad when that happens and i just don't i don't know i don't know if there's anything that can be done about it well hopefully uh, medicine catches up with uh what we're doing to athletes bodies yeah. you know what i mean we'll see uh we've talked a little bit of baseball when it comes to no we haven't not yet not today so i th- there are sometimes in sports where what happens in life and what happens in sports come together in a powerful way, mm-hmm. right? And we had one of these moments with the Angels where one of their young, promising pitchers who by everything I've read and everything I've heard was loved in the Angels organization. Everyone loved him. Mike Trout considers him one of his best friends. He said he, I mean, some of, and I know we can look at, back on someone's life after they pass on with rose-colored glasses, but they're saying things like he was a perfect human being and he never caused any problems. He was just so great and so loved. He got married last off season. Yeah, Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs. And he died. They, he just showed up dead. Not showed up dead, but they found him dead yeah. in his hotel room here in Dallas when they had a series against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. They canceled the game that night, right? Well, just last night, they had, their or two nights ago, either last night or two nights ago, they had uh, their first home game since he died. Mm-hmm. Every player wore his jersey, number 45, Skaggs. They're going to keep his locker room in their locker for the rest of the year with all the stuff there. They're not going to touch it. They're just going to leave it there. And his wife, uh, I think stepfather and father and uh, mom were there to throw out the first pitch. And mom threw a strike from the mound. <laughs> she stood on the mound, wow. threw a perfect strike. Uh, one, two, three inning in the first inning. Mike Trout hits a home run on the first pitch he sees. Okay. They score seven runs. Seven runs in the first inning, right? And then basically two relievers pitched that game because their rotation was thrown out of rack because mm-hmm. one of their starters died. Yeah. And they pitch a no-hitter. They see 28 of the possible 27 batters. Combined no-hitters are more rare than single-pitcher no-hitters. no-hitters. Yeah, right? yeah. And... After the game, they took a picture of Tyler and put it on the mound. They put all their jerseys around. It was just a super emotional moment. It's amazing how sports can help us cope with these things. Players were saying things like, we felt like he was here with us. This is more like his no-hitter than our no-hitter and such Mm. cool things like that. Uh, You hardly ever see reporters get emotional. It's their job to be unemotional and just report what's happening, right? And a lot of sports reporters take their job very seriously when it comes to that. They're not going to favor anybody. They're not going to take sides. They're not going to get emotional. After the game, Mike Trout was interviewed by someone from NMLB Network, and the uh, person doing the interviewing could not keep the emotion out of her voice. 
and she started crying at one point. And, and Mike Trout was like crying in his responses and they were crying back and forth. It was hard not to get emotional about it. But sports becomes an amazing catharsis where we're going to get back to what we love and we're going to do what he loved as a way to honor him. And that's one of the things that I, I loved about sports is you can find normalcy and try to find a way through things through your passion. And for a lot of people, sports is that. That's how they connect to their fathers. They used to go to Mets games growing up. So now they watch Mets games uh, at home. They, they call each other after each game and they talk about it. They both keep box scores and then compare it afterwards. Uh, you talk about the Lakers. You talk about the Dodgers. You talk about the time you... I mean, sports brings family together and can, mm-hmm. can help you through tough times. The nation experienced that after 9-11 when we had a baseball game in New York shortly after that. And the president of the United States went and threw out that first pitch. Strike, too. He threw a strike. Yeah. Uh, apparently, only if you throw a strike will we care about. <laughs> right? But I, we saw again yeah. the power that sports has to help us through something and to help us uh, think about something and help us get through something difficult. The Marlins had a similar experience a couple years ago with Jose Fernandez, another pitcher who died. And again, in a crazy emotional moment, D. Gordon, who bats right hand, uh, left-handed, gets up and bats right-handed to imitate... Jose Fernandez's batting stance, takes a strike, goes to the left side of the plate, and then hits a home run. Mm-hmm. And he, when he got home, they had to like help him off the field because he was crying. Mm-hmm. And so for the second time in way too short a time, we see a pitcher die in the major leagues, a young, talented p- pitcher that people liked. And, I mean, it, it, it sucked, but it, it's a powerful emotional thing to see. Yeah, he, w- he would have turned 28 today. We're recording uh, July 13th. So he, w- he would have turned 28 today. And uh, the the Angels ended up winning thirteen to nothing. And I don't know if it was Trout or one of the other players who said it, but they said we scored seven runs in the first and thirteen overall. Seven thirteen is Tyler Skaggs' birthday. He's like that wasn't a coincidence. But like I don't know how you can control that, right? Right. But like that. But they were aware of it in the moment, yeah. you know. Yeah. And even if it's even if it's just a coincidence, it's a really cool one. Yeah, that makes you think of the person. Right. And Trout's home run went 454 feet, which is 45 to uh, front back. <laughs> it's an uh, uh, palindrome. Yeah, for 45, which is Tyler Skaggs' number. I mean, and I, I believe in God. I don't think I don't think God controls who wins which baseball game. I don't think God made that. Baseball go 454 feet. In fact, if I was tracking that and it went 450 or 453, I would bump it up to 454. (laughs) But I'm not saying that to be skeptical. But I am saying that through sports, we can connect with our God. We can connect with our families. We can help overcome these difficult things in our life. It can be a powerful thing. Yeah, I mean, it it just taps into your raw emotion, right? Like when you see an exciting play, you almost, you know, inadvertently let out a gasp, right? Or cheer, right? These aren't planned reactions. Right, like during Wimbledon today, Serena hit a 123 mile an hour serve. It went into the net. But when the number came up on the screen, the whole crowd was like, oh. (laughs) But they did a little more refined. I I, I can't gasp with the British accent, but I'll try. I got this. Hickledy pickledy. In unison. Yeah, they all said higgledy piggledy oh, all yeah. at the same time. Um, with their pinkies up uh, while they sip some tea. Mm. Ha, we beat them in soccer. First. The women's. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't think our men could beat England in soccer. Probably not. We can't beat. Uh, we barely beat Jamaica for crying out loud. Nothing against uh, Jamaica. They're just a small country. Yeah. So, uh, so you brought up Serena. Serena lost in, in the Wimbledon final this morning. Cool um, bobsled team, though. So she's she's sitting at twenty three Grand Slam finals solo, right? Solo singles. Um, the the all time record is twenty four. I couldn't even tell you who held it. Margaret something maybe. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I, I think. One of the men's players got 24. Was no. it Sampras, Agassiz? No, no, no. no. It's a, it's a Fed, Federer player? has the most, and he has 20 in the men's. Okay, so um, she has the most. Okay, so yeah, she... Uh, okay. Steffi Graf? No. It's... it's uh, Hold on. Grand Slam. This is a segment we call Google This. This is, this is Margaret Smith Court. I knew it was a Margaret. So she has 24 singles. She always called her Maggie because we were tight, so <laughs> and, that threw me off. And Serena's a 23, Steffi Graf's 22... Helen Wills Moody, shout out to the Moody's, uh, 19, and Martina Navratilova, is that and a, Chris Everett. Is at, that a yeah, relative? 18. <laughs> I don't Will, know. Wills Moody. Um, so yeah, so she's one She's one away from tying Margaret Smith Court with 24, and two away from holding the record by herself. Since she had her baby, which was what, a year and a half, two years ago, um, she's 0-3 in Grand Slam Finals. Now, I want her to win. I want her to to tie and break the record. We love greatness, right? We love greatness, and Serena works um, so hard, and she's been so great for so long, and American athlete, like, I root for her, you know? And, um, because what I don't want to be the narrative is that, oh, she should have waited until she broke the record and then had the baby. I don't want the baby to be the reason she, to be the perceived reason that she's not able to, to match and break this record, right? Because what a horrible message that would be to female athletes that you have to, you have to put your family goals on hold in in favor of your career goals, right? And we we know that's not the case because many women have had children and come back and competed at the highest level. Right. In fact, a lot of women on the national team that just won the World Cup, a lot of them are mothers. Yeah. In fact, some of the best images are uh, um, a player named McDonald with her seven-year-old son. And uh, one of my favorite videos, um, he said, uh, I think it's her Instagram or something, uh, McDonald. She shows her son on the plane and say, hey, what did you just say? He said, this is the best part. It's like, best part of what? Best part of my life? <laughs> like, being here with mom on the plane? And he's like, no. And he holds up his fruit snacks. <laughs> Gotta get them yeah. bunches, fruit snacks. And, but yeah, yeah. And some women say they even perform better after having children because because their attention is so divided now. When they're practicing their sport and performing their sport, they are 100% engaged in that because they because they know they're not gonna get. They can't just wake up, you know, on a Saturday morning and say, "Okay, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna go practice, and I'll give it half effort, and if I need to, I'll, I'll you know train again later in the day." No, you have. You have your certain time, right, that you're going to set aside for your family, and and hopefully you're not going to break that time. And so you're sometimes even more engaged. And I know, like, for me, uh, I had kids in law school, and, like, I felt like I needed to focus more in class and and when I was studying because I wanted to spend time with them. And uh, so I needed to be better about my study habits. And, yeah. yeah. I became a much better student and much better employee when my kids came around. Part of that might might have been motivation, but it's also like you talked about. When I knew that I had to put a lot of focused time to get what I needed done, get uh, get it done, I did better. My best times in school, like my best grades, my best work, the one I learned the most, was when I was taking 18 credit hours. So I was basically doing a semester and a half every semester. So I did 
two years of, I, I did two years of school um, I did three years of school in two years and that was my best school experience I did really well I was also working full-time and I had kids at home because I knew I had to schedule it out and do a really good job so I see what you're saying I think that's really cool yeah well I think this has been an informative podcast David do you want to talk some Spider-Man? I think briefly, because if we don't talk Spider-Man now, I don't think we will, because okay. you're going on vacation soon. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to be gone for another little stint here, um, so we may not be back for a couple weeks, um, but just you know, put us on notifications on your podcast app, so you know exactly when the next one drops, but, but plan on late July, early August for the next one. Um, so if you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home... Which is the new one. Or... That's and, not the cartoon or, one. Or... Avengers Endgame. Which we'll probably talk about a little bit. Um, or or Spider-Man Homecoming, the first one. Okay, if you don't want to spoil any Marvel stuff, go away. Come yeah. back after you get if caught If you up. don't feel you're caught up on your Marvel movies, just stop listening now, and we'll see you in a few weeks. That was enough time, right? That's enough time. That was enough time? Okay, yeah. so, okay. I like Spider-Man a lot. We just saw it. We just went to see yeah, yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home about, what, we we left the theater two hours ago. Yeah, yeah. So, as I walked out, my first thought was, and this tells you how much of a Star Wars nerd I am, my first thought was, why can't they be doing as well with the Star Wars franchise as they're doing with the Marvel franchise? Because everything is tied together, everything is emotional, I care about all the characters. You know what uh, I love? I love, you. when you go into a Marvel movie, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get... Big budget action scenes. You're going to get hilarious dialogue. And there's going to be at some point some kind of heartwarming, you know, moment. And and you're just going to have a really good time. You'll probably never leave thinking, that's the best movie I ever saw. I mean, if, if that's your, the only type of movie you like to see, maybe. But but you're not, you're not going to think like, that's going to win an Oscar, right? It's but, no Citizen Kane. No <laughs> but, but it is an extremely satisfying experience to go see a Marvel movie. There's hardly ever any missteps. Yeah. They just have they have it down. They have the formula down, right? And I love that, you know, and I think one of the things that differentiates Marvel from DC is that Marvel does not take itself too seriously. Yeah. You know? They're and, willing to say, like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this guy's jumping around in a suit, and it's ridiculous. Well, and, and okay, so Jake Gyllenhaal is the uh, hero slash villain in this movie. And he has, he has a line uh, in it where he basically says, people will believe anything these days, yes. right? And it was almost like a meta line, right? Where it's like... Us as audience members, well, we just want more. We just want more of it, right? We don't really like, care what it is. We like, will, we love it so much, we want it. Yes, we will suspend belief for almost anything nowadays in movies. Yeah. Except for some things. It was just funny. Like, it's funny <laughs> what we choose to suspend our belief on. Like, oh, there's this laser sword that only goes like six feet and it stops light and super powerful and it's, this lady can move rocks with her mind. Why can they follow someone through hyperspace? Mm. That doesn't make any sense. Like, willing suspension of belief is a funny thing. Uh, this Spider-Man movie was really good. And you mentioned that the Spider-Man franchise might become one of your favorite franchises in, in film. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, my my current favorite of the Marvel kind of uh, series... Captain um, America. Not for me. What? What? It's, that, that's the answer. <laughs> that's not an opinion question. Not, not for me. It's the best one. Um, so is the Ant-Man? Ant-Man's great. The Ant-Man 2, the Spider-Man 2... And probably the Guardians of the Galaxy too, yeah. and and I think that speaks to me on a I like more funny. Yeah, yeah. The more uh, those are the yeah. those are the funnier series. I think those are the three that have the most humor yeah. innately, just organically in the show. 
Yeah, yeah. is the, the grouping of, of characters and the, the actors that they have are just just kind of naturally funny. And I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man we've seen. Um, yeah, Tobey Maguire, yeah, Andrew Garfield, who I didn't actually see the one he did, but I'm assuming... He did two, man. He did two? He okay. did two. I did not see his two. That's okay, um, they've been erased from history. Yeah, but... Snapped out he, of existence by Thanos. He is in i like he looks like he's in high school right I, he may be 25 i have no idea he could be 30 for all we know but um Ooh, he, google knows he, he does a, just an amazing job and his um you know he, when you watch him you really think he's this kind of like emotional hormonal teenager that and that awkward. spider-man and awkward that spider-man is supposed to be right he doesn't in the comic books they don't start with him uh being a full-grown adult right he, he's like trying to navigate these superpowers with family relationships with friend relationships with potential girlfriend relationships and how do you how do you juggle all of that while being a superhero with powers you don't quite understand i feel so old okay how old is he tom holland is 23 23 years old how'd the cat get back in here (laughs) same way got into my dresser come on kitty Get out of here. So yeah, this 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 newest Spider-Man, total home run. Um, you were bringing up that you felt like maybe they were beating us over the head a little bit with all of the allusions to him being the the new Iron Man, the new head of the Avengers. Right, because not only did uh, I think Happy Hogan has a line in there, or not? Yeah, has a line where uh, Peter Parker is basically mimicking. He's doing exactly what Tony Stark does with tech stuff and like the holograms and moving around. He does a few things that Tony Stark did in the films, right? Like gesture for gesture, almost mimicking him exactly, right? Not on purpose, just doing it, right? And uh, Happy Hogan looks at him with kind of like a fatherly look, right? He kind of becomes a father figure almost for for Peter Parker, right? And he's looking at him and uh, Peter looks up at him and he goes, what? And he just kind of smiles in the way a father would. He (laughs) says, nothing, keep doing your tech stuff i'm gonna go do whatever i'm right? gonna do the music i'll take care of the music yeah and, and then he plays what <laughs> right yes <And> so it's <laughs> like, what was that <laughs> was me trying to sing that <laughs> how does he sing like that <laughs> that hurt <laughs> i can't do it either it hurt never again <laughs> okay i need to get my giant 54 ounce soda from the from the movie theater oh <laughs> And um, okay, so so something else that Marvel does right more often than not is it picks great villains. Not 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 the actual like character, the actor. Yes. Right. So Jake Gyllenhaal um, is the is the hero villain in this, and he starts out as you think he's a hero, and ultimately revealed to be a villain. And he he does he's just such a good actor that he gave. Just the slightest of hints, right, early on, that he was maybe acting a little too nice. I think that's what you said, right? Yes, and yes. I noticed that as well. Yeah, I leaned over and I said, he's too nice, right? Yeah. And then when he was, uh, when Peter Parker was trying to give over the Tony Stark's glasses that had his... Access to Edith, the, uh, yeah. the system that lets you send drone strikes. <laughs> yeah, and his uh, Tony Stark named it Edith because it stands for Even Dead, I Am... I, I'm the hero. Yeah, Even Dead, I'm the <laughs> I love that. So I, I like that Tony Stark is still flavoring these new movies. I like yeah. that Captain America is still flavoring these movies. In fact, there's one part where where uh, Happy Hogan has a, a medieval shield and throws it at a drone that's attacking them. Yeah. And it like falls 10 feet short. And he mm-hmm. goes, how does Cap do that? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. But I like that they're, they're not... 
they're not completely erasing these characters from the the universe, but they're just moving on from them. Yeah, right. And I really appreciated that they did that in here. Um, also, interesting. It was kind of, it was going to be interesting how they addressed the five years, the the blip as it's called. Yeah, that's what they started calling it. The blip. Uh, the blip. And and you know his group of friends. Did they all disappear and come back because they're all the same age? And so that's what happened. So essentially, um, like you saw in Endgame, everyone, uh, at least in in Peter Parker's kind of immediate circle. Uh, vanished for five years, including his Aunt May. I guess Happy must have, right? Or was Happy around? I don't remember. Did he I make, can't remember if Happy was there or not. Did he make any appearances in uh, Endgame? I don't remember if he was in Endgame or not. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll have to, uh, yeah, have to check on that. Anyways. I'm but, sure there's a master list of people who got erased. Yeah. Um, and and there's a scene early on where Aunt May's uh, at a, like a benefit, where they're raising money for the homeless. And uh, and she, she talks about Kind of the the awkward uh, or the 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 effects of what of the blip, right? That you wouldn't necessarily have thought about. Like she comes, she comes back, she she reappears, and she goes to her apartment, and there's a different family living there, right? Like, yeah, oh yeah, all that stuff would have happened. Like if, if those movies were true to life, like society would have just broken down completely, right? If, if half the people were gone, like yeah, and it kind of <laughs> did. In Endgame, they were struggling, right? Like they were struggling. It yeah, looked, yeah, I mean. Hawkeye was going on a killing spree. Yeah. He basically went Green Arrow yeah. from DC, which is a great TV series, by the way. More on that later. Yeah. No, not really. So so all of uh, Parker, who disintegrated uh, or was snapped away, uh, MJ, his friend. Uh, what's his friend's name? The Pacific Islander-looking guy. I don't know what his name I forgot his name. Yeah. What was his name? Whatever he is. And, and all their kind of group of friends that are the smart kids that do these trips all the time. I don't remember doing any trips being part of the Smart Kid Club. Maybe you in weren't in the Smart Kid Club. Oh, maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, so they all so, says the teacher to the Stanford educated attorney. <laughs> but whatever. So they yeah, so they all they all must have uh, di- disappeared and then come back, right? Because they're all the same age. There's one guy new in the group who did not. He was like a little kid when they all disappeared, and now he's their age, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of funny. And he's like, he's like handsome now, and like yeah. he's muscular and stuff. One of my favorite lines is on the plane, one of the kids in their high school group has a, has a drink, <laughs> yeah. and uh, MJ says, hey, he blipped, he's not actually 21, he's 16, because his birthday didn't yeah, change, right? right. Oh, um, what a nightmare that would be, right? Like, how how would you, you, you probably would still classify them as 16 if they were 16. You'd right? have to, right? Because they didn't exist for those, for those yeah, five years. Yeah, they didn't years. mature for five more years. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, back to your previous point. The villains, uh, the hero is only as good as the villain. And that's kind of a, that's a common uh, moniker in storytelling. If you have a weak villain, your character is going to appear weak. If you have a strong villain, your, character, uh, your main character is going to appear more strong, right? And Marvel has done a fantastic job with the villains. The same thing can be said about the DC movies. Probably the best DC movie that they've come out with is The Dark Knight. Yeah. Why? Because Heath Ledger's uh, interpretation of the Joker was so good. Yeah. That yeah. And, and Batman, this Batman as a series itself or as a universe has really good villains. Yes. Scary good villains that really play off of Batman really well. Now, m- movies that aren't as good are the Superman movies, and I just think Superman is so much more powerful than everyone he faces that it's just. It's, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Even when he dies, he comes back to life. Like, you can't kill him. He will always beat the villain. There's essentially no weakness other than a rock that doesn't even exist on Earth. Yeah, all you have to do is say, Martha! And he, he's fine after that. 
Like this is code word. Yeah. So so Superman is not a compelling superhero. He's and not. part of that is because of the disparity in strength between him and and the villains he faces. Whereas Batman, he's just a guy with some cool tech and knows. Uh, is he strong and and study martial arts and uh, smart, right? And Spider Man, you know, really compared to some of the other Avengers like a Captain Marvel, like he's somewhat limited. Like he relies a lot on the suit, right? He obviously he's strong and uh, agile and athletic because of whatever the spider juices gave him. But um, spider juices. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of his power comes from his like will, determination, his like kindness. His he chooses like to do the right. You know, he's kind of like Captain America in that sense that they're on on the the morality compass. It's like true north for them. Yeah, you know? yeah he's he's definitely not like an antihero type. He's yeah. definitely one of those. He, he's not the per, he's not the hero that represents what people are like. He's the hero that represents what humans aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the kind of heroes I always gravitate towards. Captain America. Um, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. That's a character that you just aspire to be, and Spider Man's definitely along that vein. What does it say that I, my favorite is Wolverine? I'm nervous about being alone <laughs> with you in your house now. So the uh, really cool, like major spoiler here. So even if you've just been like listening and like, oh, I don't care if I get too many things spoiled. This is a huge major spoiler that might spoil some things later in movies for you. So. Back away now. Second chance to, to get away. We've given you fair warning twice now. So at the very end, uh, it's revealed oh, yeah. that uh, Nick Fury is in outer space with a huge ship with other little ships in the ship. And, and they're building something. They're building things, yeah. And a Kree, which is a guy that can... A, sh- a shapeshifter, right? Is mm-hmm. pretending to be Nick Fury throughout the, the movie. These were the perceived villains in Captain Marvel and turned yes. out to be the oppressed people. Yes. And uh, um, social commentary aside. And uh, they... Uh, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson and Maria Hill, uh, Kobe Smolt, 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 Smothers, Smolters? Uh-huh. Yeah, that one. She, uh, I'll always know her as uh, the chick from How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Anyway, um, they acted, their acting just seemed a little off at some points, and yeah. they seemed a little strange, a little off character throughout the entire show, and then at the end when it's revealed that it was a shapeshifter the entire time pretending to be Nick Fury and Kobe Smolters, I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. was such a good movie. And when I go back and watch it again, knowing what happens at the end there, I'm going to be very surprised. I think it's awesome. I, I'm that not the surprised, crew- but I'm going to appreciate it even more, the acting job that they did. Yeah. I think it's awesome that the Kree are still involved, right? Yes. Ooh, and one of my favorite lines was uh, when, when uh, Nick Fury, uh, oh, uh, Spider-Man tell, tells Nick Fury, who's actually not Nick Fury, it's actually a shapeshifter, yeah. and he says, uh, why don't you get uh, Captain Marvel? And he goes, do not invoke her name. And I was like, yeah. well, that was a little like intense for Captain Fury. It made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> it's because it wasn't Nick Fury. It was the the people that saved her and uh, that, that she were saved. Were saved by her, yeah, yeah. And that really... Have, they have a lot of reverence towards her, right? right? So Marvel is so good about sprinkling these little details in that mm-hmm. when you watch the second time, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Yeah, and it's, right? it's like, in a lot of these Marvel movies, like, you could tell with Jake Gyllenhaal's character, right? You can you can call out a number of things early on, like, oh, that person's going to be the villain. That, But there's always a twist that you don't see coming. There's, there's usually three, four different twists in the movie, and especially these end scenes that they're just so good at. It, it may be the best thing about them is that you watch the movie, you're super satisfied, and then they give you 30 seconds of what's to come, and they, it's confusing enough that you, you you want to formulate a theory, but you're not quite sure, and you just have to go see the next one. It's They're so good at that. 
Yep. So needless to say, Marvel's not going anywhere anytime soon. Disney owns the world. We'll continue to own the world. And we're just living in Walt's world. We really are. Like, you think Disneyland and Disney World are just like little parks in certain parts of the world? No. We're all living in Disney World. Does the last um, Star Wars movie come for this trilogy come out this year? December. Yes. December. What are your um, expectations? I, uh... I'm really worried that episode seven and eight were basically episode seven, part one, and part two. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't cover. And they tried to rush ground. through a they, lot of stuff. And they did. Yeah. They, or, or, but but that in nine they'll rush through a lot. That that's they, what I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm worried about they didn't give themselves enough breathing room to close things out because yeah. what what Avengers did so well is they did it over 15, 20 movies, something yeah. crazy. They spun this narrative over years. And Star Wars is trying to do that same thing, and they're trying to compete with that storyline in three, four, in six years and three films. And the way Episode Seven and Episode Eight chronologically have zero time in between them leaves almost zero growth for for the characters in there and for the yeah. storyline to progress. Right. And so, I, I mean, whether or not you like the movies or whatever, you have to worry about what's happening in Episode Nine. And if what happens in Episode Nine. If what I think is going to happen based off of the trailers, which is Emperor Palpatine is still alive in some form, whether it's a spirit form or he transferred bodies, which has been known to happen in the Star Wars universe with Sith Lords. In fact, um, we don't know for sure whether or not uh, Darth Bane, who reinstituted the rule of two with the Sith, where there's just two of them all the time, a master and an apprentice, uh-huh. uh, it's up in the air whether or not he shifted bodies when he died to another person, to his apprentice. So it's all intense stuff. Anyway... I think Emperor Palpatine is going to be alive. I think he's going to be orchestrating all of this First Order and other stuff. And Snoke is just a puppet of the Emperor and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Because the ultimate bad guy villain is... I mean, the, the emotional bad guy villain is Kylo Ren, right? right. But the ultimate big guy villain, he's, the, the Emperor Palpatine of this series, is going to probably be Emperor Palpatine, right? Because at the end of the trailer, Luke Skywalker says, and this is one of my favorite lines in Star Wars, is no one's ever really gone or no one's ever truly gone and he you think he's referring to maybe Himself Han, Han or, Solo okay because he's given the the dice that are hanging from the, the yeah. Millennium Falcon he hands those to Leia when he says that no one's yeah. ever truly gone and so you might think okay maybe Yoda's come back Obi-Wan's come back right I'm sure Luke is going to come back right because Mark Hamill would throw a fit if he only gets one movie out of this <laughs> right because <Yeah. laughs> he really wasn't in episode seven and uh the Emperor is probably never truly gone and if well, that doesn't happen, I'll be I'll be surprised. Well, you know my long-standing theory that he is uh, he's the father of Anakin Skywalker. No, no, I've told you this before. That's wrong. Okay, <laughs> that's wrong. It's unequivocally, canonically well, wrong. Well, well, there's no well. It's wrong. No, no, no. canonically, maybe used to be wrong. No, 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 no. Because okay, so Palpatine uh, and his master Darth Plagueis. I don't know how this turned into like the nerdiest Star Wars podcast ever, but here we go. So Plagueis was Sidious's master, who is yeah, Palpatine, right? Right, but but canon and, now is just the movies and and TV series. Yes, but some of the story stays the same. So okay, for example, uh, the dark side was getting very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And Anakin was a virgins in the Force, right? So the Force, while the dark side was growing stronger and stronger, he was the prophesied. Um, he was the person who was prophesied that would come and bring balance to the Force by killing the, the the Sith who were bringing too much dark side into the galaxy. Like, without the Sith, there's plenty of evil in the galaxy. And that's where the Jedi are there to balance that out. So when 
uh, Anakin is born, he's a virgin in the Force, the Force um, conceived him to counteract what Palpatine and Sidious were doing. Right, but that's, again, that's an old pre-Disney storyline. Okay. And and Disney has stated everything pre-Disney, except the movies, is no longer canon. Okay, I just thought of the best way for this movie to go. So the movie is called Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Right? The very, very best way for this movie to go is for Darth Vader to come back to life somehow. What? That would be the best. The Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. Here he comes. But I don't think coming back from the dead is something that a lot of uh, uh, Star Wars people would be okay with. I think that would be a little too hokey for them. I mean, they had problems with uh, Princess Leia flying through space. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> I mean, whatever. All right. Well, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Yes, it is. And I'm not going to put any bells and whistles on this one. It's going as is. Okay. It, it's summertime. We're on, a, we're on a vacation. See you guys in a few weeks. Bye. Palpatine lives. <laughs>